Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. I want to give you a little history of Christmas and the church. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Then I want to finish with a great book story by a particular person who wrote about what if Jesus hadn't come. Very, very interesting. So I was reading a story about a Sunday school teacher who was teaching his class at Christmas. He's trying to get the kids to understand that the shepherds were the first ones to hear about Jesus' birth. Well, he, uh, he asked the kids uh, who was the first to hear about Christmas. And as a result, one of the kids says, Mary. Yeah, I think these kids are right, correct? Amen. Well, you leave it to the little kids. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 through 7, a lengthy passive scripture. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Then Galatians 5, verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, Use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as thyself. I was a late bloomer when I came to Jesus. I was about 27, 28 years old. Statistics show that a very small percentage of people come to Christ after age 21, meaning the older you get, the percentages go way down of people who come to Jesus. But I came, and I fell in love with God, and I fell in love with his grace. I became active instantly. I came to all the services. I brought visitors. I showed up for work days. I tithed my income. I clearly knew something had happened to me. But several years after I was saved, it seemed that the more I knew, the meaner I got. You went to that church, didn't you? Okay. And as I tried to go deeper with the Lord, I tried to find deeper people to go with. 
And the people I found who were deeper than me were also meaner than me. It just seemed like they had the same affliction. The more truth they got, the meaner they got. See, when you get saved, you don't know much. You know Jesus, but you don't know much about the Bible. But you are full of grace. But what I didn't know was every time you add more truth to your life, you have to put an appropriate accompanying dose of grace. Because you can't just grow in truth. You have to also grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. See, otherwise, Paul wrote, wrote to the Corinthians and he said, knowledge will puff you up and you get meaner because the more you know, the more you tend to look down on those who don't know what you think you know. You've been to that church. Hmm. They're all over town. As we celebrate Christmas this year, I can remember back then, I had more joy of Christmas when I was unsaved than I enjoyed as a Christian. Now, there's a reason for that, and I'll, I'll show you in a minute. We seem to lose something after we're saved versus when before we got found by the Lord. I heard many things taught back then. Christians invented Christmas around the fourth century as a competition to the pagan world's festival of the bull god, Mithras, okay? And there was some truth to that. Then somebody told me that Santa was another word for Satan. It had to have the same numbers in the letters. It was just arranged differently. And back then I said, well, I don't know. Sounds okay to me. I had a little track that was given to me by Christians. It said, beware of Satan's claws. Yeah. I was also told that December 25th was not the date of Jesus' birth, but it was the date of a pagan celebration of an unconquered sun god until Christians in the fourth century took it over and began to celebrate the birth of Jesus on that day. I was also told that Christmas trees, holly, and mistletoe all had their origins in Northern Europe pagan rites and that real Christians don't celebrate Christmas. So I'm thinking as a young man, maybe I shouldn't even celebrate Christmas. Well, that made me popular with nobody but a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> I was fast becoming a Scrooge. See, you know what I've discovered? The enemy is a master at making us look stupid. I mean, as if we needed any help. You know, we strain gnats, we swallow camels, and we end up becoming walking signs for the very thing we should be opposing. The gospel is offensive enough without our adding to it with weirdness. We don't seem to learn from our mistakes in the church. We just keep making the same ones over and over. It's like the church deacon who walked into the service one day and he had both ears bandaged. And somebody said, Fred, what happened to you? He said, well, I was in a hurry yesterday. I was ironing a shirt. The phone rang. I picked up the iron and put it on my ear. And the guy said, well, what happened to the other ear? The deacon said, well, they called back. <laughs> we just don't learn. Now, the truth is Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. No one actually knows what day he was born. So what difference does it make? 
And the Christians did take over December the 25th, which had been a pagan holiday. But the Christians did it for a reason. They did it as a testimony to the real God. And looking back 1,600 years ago to the time Christians took it over, I'd say they've been pretty successful because today it's Christmas, not Mithrasmus. And the very fact that nobody worshiped Mithras on Christmas anymore or even thinks about Mithras is a pretty good testimony to the fact Christians did a good job of taking over that day. Amen. See, nobody thinks of Christmas trees and holly and mistletoe being associated with pagan ceremonies and druid festivals, except some Christians. We're the only ones that think of druids and pagan festivals. If you go out on the street, any town USA, and ask, what's Christmas? And whether they're a believer or not, they'll tell you, Jesus was born. But ask a Christian fundamentalist, and he'll say, it's the celebration of Mithras. Oh, brother. So the world believes Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Jesus, and they can't fathom our silly behavior in rejecting it. Then we hear other complaints. Well, it's too commercialized. We spend too much money. Yeah, we're out in stores buying things for the people we love. Seems to me that's a Christian concept. Well, Santa Claus is a myth, Rick. Of course he's a myth. There never was a real man named Chris Kringle. But the truth is, in the myth, he's a hero, not a villain. He's about giving in the myth. Now, understand the story is certainly not in the Bible, but the concept is. So why is it so evil when the character portrayed is doing good for the unfortunate? And by the way, Santa's name does not come from Satan. The root of the word comes from saint. Saint Nicholas helps others less fortunate. Satan doesn't do that. Not in my lifetime. I'm just concerned, church, that we don't get tricked by the enemy, especially those who are zealous for God. See, these kind of people have a very joyless Christmas. They can't sing the Christian songs, can't enjoy the pretty decorations, all because of their lousy attitude. So I understand where they're coming from, but when I look at the fruit of that attitude in the lives of these people and their small children, there's no joy, no sparkle in their eyes. Folks, even non-Christian radio and TV stations play Christmas songs about Christ. It's the one time of the year Christians ought to have a field day with all the free publicity the world gives to God. If you can't make that little jump from a commercialized Christmas into a witnessing situation because of all the opportunities, you are simply not very creative. And while some of you fear we've lost the meaning of Christmas, I can show you hundreds of churches that have lost the meaning of church. And while so many churches are bankrupt spiritually, are we going to close all the churches? Let's just get our attitude right about church, about Christmas, and everything else. You know, in my day, if you go back to the late 50s, we never had a Christmas tree in church. We never had decorations in church. We never had the living Christmas tree. We never had the Christmas uh, pageants and events. Never. We had candlelight Christmas Eve. And we sang a few songs. Anybody remember that? You went to that church too. Yeah. This has all come 
most of the young people weren't even alive to see what it was like before a little bit of grace and liberty got into it. The evergreen trees in Jeremiah 10 were brought in by the pagans to make idols out of. But for the early Christians, the evergreen trees were a sign of eternal life. It goes back to St. Boniface, who was a missionary to the Germans back in the 8th century. He went bravely into the middle of where the pagans were worshiping their idol trees, and he chopped down their sacred oak of Thor and replaced it with an evergreen fir and dedicated it to the Christ child. And out of his missionary effort to be a witness, we got the whole idea of a Christmas tree. The star on the top of the tree symbolized the star of Bethlehem. The holly and the ivy and the mistletoe were involved in pagan rituals, but to the Christian, they were signs of eternal life. Why? Well, because they all bore fruit in winter, and they pictured the life of God as it brings out of death of Christ. Out of his darkness, out of his death came life. See, the lights on your tree came from the Jewish tradition of celebrating Hanukkah, which means festival of lights. So Christians adopted it, recalling Christ's words, you are lights in this world. Christmas bells in the night have rung throughout the centuries. It was the sound of joy and life coming out of the darkness. Now, some Christians are tired of singing the Christmas carols, but I ask why? We only sing them once a year, and we spend millions other than that year in music stores buying golden oldies and downloading every new playlist every week. So chill, <laughs> relax, enjoy this holiday. See, what we see in the lives of these bah humbug Christians is no joy, no victory, a mean spirit, and it's very difficult for them to be free. Please remember, God himself instituted festivals. He's a party God. Israel was commanded to celebrate many festivals throughout the year, and all of them pointed to the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, in the New Testament, we are prohibited from worshiping a day, any day, because those days that they had to stop and worship were pointing to the coming of Christ. Now that he's come, the real, we don't worship a day. We don't, we don't have to worship the feast of Passover because Jesus is our Passover. He is the lamb slain that takes away sin. So today we have people that worship all these days. And I say, baloney, you're in bondage to the law. Jesus already fulfilled that. Some of these festivals were real parties. Everything wasn't a solemn assembly. There were some solemn days given, solemn days, but some parties and celebrations. If you don't want to celebrate Christmas, at least don't spoil the fun for other people with your bad negative spirit. Even Jehovah's Witnesses who don't believe in celebrating anything, including Christmas, take the day off. If they were really committed to their doctrine, they, they, would, they would go to work. See, Christ is our jubilee. Jesus stood up in his own hometown synagogue, read from the scroll of Isaiah, and read the prophecy from Isaiah 61 about the acceptable year of the Lord. This was the jubilee. Every seven years was a Sabbath year, and every 49 years, or seven Sabbath years, that's 49, plus one, the 50th year, was called the Jubilee, 
fear. And during that year, the 50th year, Jubilee, all debts were forgiven, all slaves went free, all land reverted back to its original owner. So Jesus was saying, this day, that Jubilee day is now fulfilled in your ears by me. Jesus said, it's no longer a year. Jubilee is me. I've come to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom, and to open your eyes and set you free. So my Jubilee is Jesus. And he said, you now have the power of restoration to get back whatever you lost or the enemy has stolen from you. The thief shall restore sevenfold. Through Jesus, I get back what the enemy stole from me and I go free. I'm not under any condemnation. He took my legitimately owed debt, shame, guilt, and sin and paid it for me. Now I've been set free. I've been justified, absolutely set free. I've been acquitted of all charges. Totally guilty, but totally acquitted and made righteous. And I walk out of that jail cell condemned on death row to eternal hell. I can walk out a free man and no demon can condemn me ever, ever, ever again. There is no condemnation to those in Christ. You have to go to church. Man, I went to guilt Christian fellowship. I know. So Paul said in Galatians, it was for liberty, freedom, Christ set you free. So God wants his people free. But he warns you not to use your liberty as an occasion for your flesh or to get back in bondage to the law. But the truth is, you can make anything into bondage. You can get bound up in not doing things, in not having fun. And some Christians need to be serious, but most need to have some fun. Laughter doeth good like a medicine. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Cheer up, sparky smile. This is a good day. This is a happy day. We ought to sing that song. Oh, happy day when Jesus washed, he washed my sins away. Mm, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, I think, right? It sounds better than that. So I do have CDs for sale out there if you'd like. No, I don't. So Jesus said, today I, Jesus, fulfill the scripture. Everybody goes free who will receive the good news. Everyone gets his eyes open. You were blind, now you see. And everybody gets their sin debt paid off. Wouldn't you like somebody to come in and pay IRS for you this year? Pay off your house mortgage, a second loan, just pay it off? <coughs> I can remember when our house was robbed five years ago and they took everything Cindy and I had that was valuable, we, we then hired a company to come put in video cameras and some extra security devices trying to provide a little bit of security. And when the guys were finished putting up all the cameras and I said, how much do I owe you? He said, you don't owe me anything. Somebody else paid for this and told me to tell you no charge. I was happy. I don't know how you feel. I didn't say, how dare they? You cancel that right now. You take my check. That's the way some people are, the legalists. I, you owe me because I didn't do this. You owe me because I did this, this, and this. 
Jesus, I don't owe you anything. You couldn't pay one bill. I paid it all, paid in full. And so I just said, yes, Lord, I receive your gift. Thank you. Thank you. And he made the Pharisees so mad they wanted to kill him. See, there are times to weep or mourn, but there are a lot of times to laugh. God help us if we're always in mourning and lamenting and walking around with a long face. There is a time to rejoice, certainly. And there are times to mourn over our sin. But how about a time or season in your life to lighten up and have some fun? Joy and laughter are a sure sign of the presence of grace. Where there's no joy, no shouting, there's no grace. So does your attitude bring liberty or bondage? That's a good question. See, does it bring joy or mourning? Does it release a witness, you know, witness for God, to God, or am I a negative witness? See, some believers are not light. They're a dark hole, and that's not what God wants. I say again, there are times to be serious. I don't want to be known as a frivolous, silly, entertainment-oriented or pleasure seeker, but it's the heart that's involved. Don't be in bondage to give to everyone in your family tree. That's bondage. Don't overspend what you can't afford. That's bondage. Enjoy Christmas within the bonds of your conscience, your financial means, and your convictions. Hello, how hard is that? Let me close with the title of our message today. What if Jesus had never been born? Dr. Milton Allen wrote this. I want to read it and then I'll close said, if Jesus had never been born, you wouldn't be here in this sermon. Today would be like any other day, no holiday, no celebration, just another day. No Christmas cookies, no Christmas parties, no day off. Nothing to wear and say, look what I got for Christmas. Yeah, I did. It's ugly. Okay. <laughs> this would not be the year of our Lord 2023. Every time you date a letter, a sales receipt, or a check, you are giving a witness to the fact Jesus Christ came and was born. We don't date with Buddha or Muhammad. We date with Jesus. There certainly wouldn't be a manger scene or decorated trees, no little children counting the days until Christmas. You'd never sing a Christmas carol or feel the goosebumps at the singing of Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah. There would be no TV specials, no special edition in your news, no displays along streets, even the trivial that we war against, all the things that tend to obscure the true meaning of Christmas, even that would be gone. All the familiar sights, sounds, and flavors of the season would no longer exist. No Christmas ham or turkey, no peppermint candy canes. If Jesus had never come, there would be no Christian churches on the landscape, no crosses above the skyline, and no steeples to point to God alone. Sunday would be just another day of the week, except for perhaps isolated bands of faithful Hebrews. Here and there, men would continue to worship gods of their own design. Men would worship the creation rather than the creator. Education as we know it would not exist. There would be some form of education probably built on the models of the ancient Greeks, places for the sons of the rich and powerful, but certainly not for women or for the poor. Education as we know it is a legacy of the church. There would be no Christian colleges or seminaries, no need to train pastors, teachers, or missionaries. If Jesus hadn't come, 
there would be no charitable institutions. Just about every city in America finds a Baptist, Methodist, or Catholic hospital. No one has ever seen an atheist hospital. If Jesus had never come, men would never have learned what God is like. For Jesus says, once you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If Jesus hadn't come, there would be no mediator to bridge the gulf between God and mankind. Priests, prophets, and kings have in fact been mediators or spokesmen for God, and they represented the people to God. But no one has ever filled the job for a mediator between himself and God who would lay his hands on us both. If Jesus had not come, there would be no salvation. Death would be the final word. There would be no eternal life in God's presence. Men would be lost and dead in their sin. If Jesus hadn't come, there would be no Holy Spirit to be our companion and our comforter. As we celebrate the Christmas season, let us thank God for the things that we have that would not be here if Jesus had not come. And finally, as sad as the world would be had he not come, to the person who refuses to receive Christ, it's as though Jesus never came. After all is said and done, if Christ has not come into your heart, it would matter very little to you if he had never come into the world. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.